Welcome to our special series on children's health. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, author of You Can Think Like a Psychiatrist, your host, and with me today is Dr. Joseph Jankovic, professor of neurology and director of the Parkinson's Disease Center and Movement Disorders Clinic at Baylor College of Medicine in Houston, Texas. Welcome to ReachMD. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. I welcome the opportunity to talk to you about Tourette syndrome. Yes. So what exactly is Tourette syndrome, Dr. Jankovic? Well, Tourette syndrome is a neurological movement disorder that is manifested by motor tics or vocal tics. Uh, motor tics may uh, be characterized by blinking, facial grimacing, shoulders shrugging, uh, and other kinds of twitching type movements. Vocal or phonic tics are usually manifested by sniffing, throat clearing, grunting, or more complex vocal tics, such as shouting of obscenities, so-called coprolalia. Now, you can have either motor or vocal tics. You don't have to have both. Well, to make a diagnosis of definite Tourette syndrome, at least by the criteria that were established by the Tourette Syndrome Association, one has to have both motor and phonic tics to make a diagnosis of definite Tourette syndrome. In order to make a diagnosis of probable or possible Tourette syndrome, you know, one or the other may be sufficient. Now, when does Tourette syndrome typically develop? Typically, it starts in early childhood, and even before children develop tics, uh, they may have symptoms of attention deficit disorder or hyperactivity disorder. And then uh, around the age of six or seven, they often develop tics, uh, usually involving the face, such as blinking or facial grimacing. And then the tics uh, tend to progress, uh, become more generalized, and then later the phonic or vocal tics uh, develop. Usually in the teenage years, obsessive-compulsive disorder starts creeping in. So most patients with Tourette syndrome have not only motor and, and phonic tics, but attention deficit disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, impulse control problems, and a variety of other behavioral problems. How common is Tourette syndrome? It's a very common disorder. One of the misconceptions about Tourette syndrome is that it is some kind of a rare, bizarre neuropsychiatric disorder, but actually it's very, very common. Several epidemiological studies show that about 20% of children have tics. And in the general population, about 1% of the general population has Tourette syndrome. So it's a very common disorder, unfortunately, very, very frequently misdiagnosed. 20% of children have tics? Yes. Wow. Now, does it typically improve with time or get worse? It does improve with time. It changes over a period of years. So typically, after the age of 18 or 20, many children have improvement in their tics but their obsessive-compulsive disorder tends to persist. Some adults have recurrence of their tics, and one of the misconceptions is that uh, Tourette syndrome never starts in adulthood. Well, it is true that it usually starts in childhood, but it may go into remission and may not recur until adulthood, sometimes in the 50s or 60s. So the natural history varies from individual to individual, but generally most patients do get better after teenage years. Now, do we know what causes Tourette's? Well, it is almost definitely genetic. It is transmitted through what we refer to as a bilineal transmission. What that means is that each offspring has both parents that are affected to some degree. So typically, a child with Tourette's syndrome comes in with the father and the mother, when we ask the father, do you have any tics, uh, they will say no, but they admit that they had tics during childhood. And the mother often has obsessive-compulsive disorder with or without tics. It's the bilineal transmission that is so characteristic of Tourette syndrome. So this is something that perhaps pediatricians could screen for early on. 
Well, they should, but I would say the vast majority of our patients are not diagnosed by pediatricians, but are diagnosed by their parents who read about Tourette's syndrome in the lay media. So we need to do a better job in educating the pediatricians. There are many misconceptions about Tourette's syndrome. Many pediatricians think that just because the child does not shout obscenities, uh, therefore he or she does not have Tourette's syndrome. But coprolalia, uh, shouting of obscenities, occurs in only about 14-15% of patients with Tourette's syndrome. I would say the most common misdiagnosis in early stages of Tourette's syndrome is allergy. If the child starts sniffing or clearing their throat, and they are invariably taken by their parents to allergies and are told that they have allergies. The average delay in diagnosis is about seven years from the time wow. the patient develops symptoms to the time the diagnosis is made. So it sounds like we need to really reach out not only to pediatricians, but allergists and ENT physicians as well. Exactly. We are, in fact, writing an article right now specifically for allergists, uh, and we have written articles for dermatologists and for other specialties. Like, for example, patients may start with self-injurious behavior, scratching themselves, and that may lead to uh, a referral to a dermatologist. And unless the dermatologist is aware that Tourette's syndrome can cause self-injurious behavior, they may not diagnose it. So how young of a child might you see Tourette's in? Well, it can start as early as uh, second or third year of life, but typically it starts around six or seven years of age, and it peaks usually just before early stages of puberty. Now, are there any tests that can help us diagnose Tourette's? We don't have any blood tests or diagnostic tests. All the imaging studies and EEG and blood tests, they are all normal in patients with Tourette's syndrome. Uh, So far, only one gene has been identified to cause uh, Tourette's syndrome, but we suspect there are many other genes that have not yet been identified. So we base the diagnosis on clinical observation of motor and phonic tics over a period of time. And thinking about this, uh, it seems like a perfect disorder to have some sort of a screening form for parents to fill out. Is there such a thing? Yes, there are some questionnaires that uh, are designed to screen for Tourette's syndrome. We have some that we use in our clinic, and I believe that may be on my website, uh, jankovy.org. But I think you point out an an important unmet need. You know, we need to have a better way of screening uh, for patients with Tourette's syndrome in early stages. And, you know, physicians, particularly primary care physicians, pediatricians, allergies, dermatologists need to know about Tourette's syndrome. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Children's Health on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Dr. Joseph Jankovic. We are discussing Tourette's syndrome. Now, Dr. Jankovic, what kind of treatments are available for treating the symptoms of Tourette's? Well, Tourette's syndrome can be effectively treated. What we usually want to do when we see patients with Tourette's syndrome is to assign sort of a a hierarchy to the importance of these different symptoms. So some patients are referred to us because of tics. So if tics uh, is the main symptom, then if the tics are focal, like, for example, blinking or head jerking, we may discuss uh, with the patient and the parents the use of Botox. Botox is a very effective treatment for tics as it is for other you know, movement disorders, including dystonia. So botulinum toxin might be the best treatment for patients who have focal tics. A majority of the patients have multifocal tics, and for those uh, patients, medications are needed. Drugs that block or deplete dopamine are the drugs that are most effective in treating tics. We use, for example, flofenazine or prolixin, the only two drugs that are actually FDA-approved for Tourette's syndrome are Pimozide or ORAB, 
and haloperidol or haldol. I rarely ever use those two drugs because they produce a variety of side effects such as weight gain and school phobia and uh, sedation and a variety of other side effects. So if the ticks are disabling, I usually use flufenazine, which I find more effective and better tolerated. Of course, uh, all of these drugs could potentially cause side effects, including tardive dyskinesia, and these patients need to be carefully monitored for that. Tetrabenazine is another drug that uh, we find extremely useful. This is a drug that already has been approved in Europe and uh, Asia and Canada, and uh, we are currently working with the FDA to get it approved in the United States. Uh, this drug uh, depletes dopamine, and therefore it does not block uh, really dopamine receptors to the degree that it would cause tardive dyskinesia. So even though it's a neuroleptic, it does not cause tardive dyskinesia. It's a very effective drug against ticks. One of the problems, certainly as a psychiatrist, that we often face, as you mentioned, that ADHD so commonly goes along with Tourette's, and of course, the treatment of choice for ADHD is a stimulant, which can make the tics worse. What do you suggest we do with these kids? It is often stated that these CNS stimulants are contraindicated in Tourette's syndrome. I don't believe that. I think that even though these uh, CNS stimulants can possibly transiently exacerbate tics, they are still effective drugs and really make a big difference in the quality of life of patients with Tourette's syndrome who also have ADHD. So just because uh, the patient has tics doesn't mean that one cannot treat their ADHD with CNS stimulants. It's possible that as a result of uh, the exacerbation of the tics, one has to use medications or increase the dosage of medications for the tics. But I don't think that the CNS stimulants are contraindicated in ADHD uh, in the setting of the Tourette syndrome. Oh, well, thank you. That's reassuring. Now, other than medication, are there other types of treatment or rehabilitation for those with Tourette's? Well, I should also mention that OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, is another important component of Tourette syndrome. And, you know, these SSRIs clearly are very effective for the treatment of OCD. In some of our patients who have what I refer to as malignant Tourette syndrome, so severe tics that they just cannot function, we sometimes do surgery. And we recently reported a series of patients who underwent deep brain stimulation for their tics and with remarkable improvement uh, of their motor tics and uh, also their OCD. What are the psychological implications of living with Tourette's? When I see Tourette patients, sometimes I spend only 15, 20 minutes in their follow-up visit, and I must say I'm exhausted at the end of the visit. <laughs> uh, and I feel uh, for the parents who have to live uh, with these uh, children all the time, they are difficult to manage uh, in, in many cases. Fortunately, most Tourette kids are intelligent, bright children, and despite their tics, they tend to achieve academically, especially if they are properly treated. Lots of famous individuals, including Mozart and Samuel Johnson, who probably had Tourette syndrome, and they did quite well despite their Tourette syndrome. So these children have a great potential, and, and I think you know, in counseling uh, the, the parents, we try to bring out all the positive aspects of uh, their children and reassure them that eventually most children with Tourette's syndrome get better spontaneously. Now, is Tourette's a disorder that really needs to be treated by a specialist, or is this appropriate in primary care? I still think that Tourette's syndrome should be in the domain of neurologists or psychiatrists. If, obviously, these children have very mild symptoms, then you know, the PCPs may be able to manage them. But most of the patients that I see in our movement disorder clinic uh, really require 
fairly sophisticated pharmacologic manipulation, botulinum toxin injection, or even surgery, and that should be delegated to a specialist. Now, you mentioned your website, jankovic.org. Are there other resources for our listeners to learn more about Tourette's? Well, the National Tourette Syndrome Association provides a lot of information about uh, Tourette. Uh, WeMove.org uh, is another website that provides information and links to other uh, organizations. There's a lot of information out there. Not all of that information is valid, and I strongly urge the listeners to really log on only to these websites that really provide objective scientific information. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We have been discussing Tourette's Syndrome. I am Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to a special series on children's health on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your emails to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.